Hello, mate. Welcome to Shutting Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average bloke and their fair dink of hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams, and listen to episode 125. Hey, guys, welcome to the show. I hope that you are having a wonderful week. Can't tell from the intro, uh, I do have another Australian guest on the show. So anytime there's an Australian, I try that. And this this guest gave me the word fair dinkum. Um, apparently in Australia, that means great or good or awesome. So there we go. We changed up the intro again. If you are new, uh, I'm sure you're rather confused. Just hang in there. Um, <laughs> welcome to the show. Glad that you're here. If you're a repeat guest, thanks for coming back. Thank you for leaving reviews, ratings, and reaching out to me at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Uh, if you haven't been on the show very much, I do want to say truly um, love hearing your hunting stories. If you would like to send me an email, sheddinglightod at gmail.com, I'd love to hear your story. Uh, we can get you on the show, get you lined up. And you don't, the thing about this show that's kind of neat, for a long time, I haven't tried to um, solicit or get like a big name. Um, just haven't really been interested. I, I've had some of those guys on before, and they're great. Um, but I, I'd rather just hear guys that don't get a voice and have never been on a podcast before. Um, that's more of the thing I think is kind of neat and, and what I or what I prefer because that's kind of the heart and soul behind all of this is getting to hear voices that you don't get to hear. Um, one of those voices from two years ago reached out to me and we developed a friendship, kind of an unexpected friendship over the last couple of years. His name is Daniel Mummery. Uh, he is on episode uh, 16 is where you first meet Daniel. You hear the story of the uh, missing bolt and his uh, Samber deer and just an incredible story. So that's a great place to start if you haven't heard that. Um, but today Daniel joins me again because a couple weeks ago Daniel ended an eight-year drought. Um, eight-year drought for Samber deer. Samber deer is basically like the Australian version of an elk and we talk about that. Uh, we talk about some duck hunting. We talk about an exciting thing that's happened in my world, so I'll save that for the show. Um, but really, not a whole lot going on. Just been fishing with my kids, fishing with my wife, and um, getting ready to go on vacation this coming week. So um, just good things happening, just enjoying the summer. So that's it. We're going to get ready to hop right in here. Here is my good friend from Australia, Daniel Mummery. Alright guys, joining me all the way from Australia, if you've listened to episode 16 and episode 48, you are familiar with Daniel Mummery. Daniel, how you doing, man? Good, Trav. Good to hear your voice again, mate. How are you? Uh, doing good, brother. Uh, this is kind of a, people don't know this, but uh, two years ago, you and I, uh, I don't even know, how did we even, did you reach out to me? Did I find you? I don't even remember how I, I got in touch with you. Yeah, mate. Yeah, I was driving a front end loader back then, and um I was doing 10 hour days and I started to get a hold of this podcast stuff and I just typed in hunting and um, your shedding light popped up and I clicked on it and had a listen for a few days and I thought, you know what, this is a good thing. And um, I think it was only like 10 or 12 episodes at the time and I thought like this bloke needs to be encouraged. So I, I sent you a message and just hit you up and said, look, mate, thanks for thanks for doing what you're doing and, you know, the faith relation to it as well. Mm-hmm. Um it just, it was something just really cool for me to listen to and I really enjoyed it. So I just wanted to hit you up and, and say thanks. And then you said, hey, got any stories? <laughs> so uh, I think it was, yeah, number 16, like you said, we um, we jumped on and had a go. So oh, man. It was a good it time, been- man. I've yeah, been appreciative of all your episodes ever since. Yeah. And uh, you and I, we continue to chat every week, just stay in touch and uh, became friends. And I think that's been kind of a neat thing. So what's going on in your world today man what's what's happening down uh, i always have to the thing that's challenging with whenever we schedule is 
um you are what 14 hours ahead in australia yeah. so i've always got to, it's yep. like night is day day is night <laughs> it's, always uh, it's always yeah always to and fro aren't we especially yeah. daylight savings that sort of throws a spanner in the works there but um no it's uh, well yeah i appreciate you getting up early this uh this day mate to have a chat with me so oh, no problem it's good man i look forward to it yeah so what's going on with you man what's yeah new? well um couple of things man i've been um i've got a new job this year uh, which has been cool i like i said i was an operator of machinery before this and now i'm now i'm um, in the landscape garden industry so uh loving that uh, i lost lost about eight kilos in in like four or five months um just all the physical work and things like that so i uh, really really enjoying that uh, i had a couple of trials for the last oh, 12 months just with some uh, small health issues, my skin and things like that. Um, uh, it sort of started around the COVID with all the sprays and stuff. I've a bit of sensitive skin, so I've had to deal with a few rashes and things. But thankfully, I've sort of started to overcome that the last two weeks, which is um, a real blessing, mate. I'm very thankful, uh, really yeah. thankful for uh, for that sort of health coming back now. So that's really good, man. And um, my little girl, she's two and a half now, mate. Like when I first contacted you, she was only like three months old. So it's uh it's flown by and <laughs> and it's so good to see her just growing and and speaking and she knows who you are now and you know you're talking to trav you're talking to trav yeah i'm talking to trav <laughs> so my my daughters they're always like which which daniel are you talking to australia yep. daniel or chinese daniel because on fridays i i teach english uh to uh at this very little English do I actually teach this kid because he's pretty smart, but there's a kid over in China I've been right. teaching English to for like three years. So they have to figure out, first off, which Daniel was I talking to, Australia Daniel or Chinese Daniel? Yeah, right. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good, Dan. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah no, you've got good little kids there. So. Oh, yeah, that's fun, man. We've been out fishing a good bit. I think you've seen some of that. And uh, yeah, went out and there. I tell you what, Ansley is coming on strong like she like beginning of the year she this was the first time we ever really took her fishing you know all by herself and so she's got this little pink zepco mm. and she is a fish catcher now like she can set she needs a little help getting the worm on but from there she mm. can cast and she has some nice casts cast it out there pretty good and then she uh just two nights ago she hooked a bass and mm. reeled him in all by herself got him up on the shore i I, I think she was almost willing to try and get him off the hook. Uh, she can little wow. bluegill, but so yep. she's uh, that's been a lot of fun. That's cool, mate. Yeah, I saw that photo and um, I thought, man, I think what she four years old. Yeah. Yep. Four going yeah. on five but, in August. Yep. Yeah, that's fantastic, mate. Like that's just you know whether she takes it on board down the rest of her life or not, um, she'll never forget that stuff. So it's just good memories, isn't it? You know, good yeah. good life skills. Yeah, well, I, I got some news for you. Now we started to get, started to touch on this before we hit record, but I wanted to save it yep. for you, and save it for uh, the listeners here. So I got a mm. little surprise. Uh, it right. was a surprise to me. So my neighbor moved out of his house um, a good while back, and he but he still owns the house, and he's got a few things around his yard, um, and uh, grass has kind of grown up. And I've noticed over the years that's kind of been the case. And there's um some kayaks and like a boat um in this Mm -hmm. yard and so i thought you know what i'm gonna message this guy and i've messaged him a couple times saying hey you interested in selling me a a kayak well since i've been fishing uh, i started this i've been thinking it'd be nice to have like a kayak or a little boat or something like that you know especially like one of the closest lakes around here the bank fishing's just not very good so i called him and mm. I said, Hey man, what's the, the deal? And he, he kind of threw out a, a number that I felt was a little high for, 
you know, some canoes and boats have been sitting in a yard for about five years. So I was like, man, yeah, I don't yeah, I have sure. to think about that. I don't know. And I, I, I mean, I obviously wanted to pay the guy and I wanted to get him, but I wasn't thinking the same number he was. And well, a little right. bit later he calls me and he was up there doing some work and a couple fawns were running around the yard and he was concerned about them. And the mom was off blowing in the distance. And I said, Hey, it's, it's all good. Just <laughs> leave them be. They'll be, they'll be fine. And uh, he's like, well, Hey, I got something for you. And around the corner, he pulls this fishing kayak and he starts to hand it over the fence between he and I. He's like, here you go. I'm like, what is this? He goes, it's your birthday yeah. present. I'm like, no get way. out of here. I was like, no, I was like, I'll pay you. I was like, how much you want for it? He's like, no, no. He goes, it's just been sitting here. I'm not using it. He goes, you're really into fishing. And he goes, one of my favorite memories was fishing with my dad. And he goes, so I'm sure you'll, you'll take the, your girls out on this. Go ahead and take it. And uh, so he push it, puts this uh, Pelican 10 foot kayak over the thing, gives me an oar. And so now I've got a kayak. Fantastic, mate. What a blessing, yeah. eh? Yeah, is that it, is really it, cool. um, that's not one of those ones where you've got the foot pedals and you can pedal along as well. I wish because I'm pretty lazy about this whole yeah. arm panel. <laughs> like I was looking at trolling motors last night, just seeing like, I think yeah. you can mount one of those to a kayak. But how lazy do you have to be to do that? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. Look, see, ever, since I've been doing the duck hunting for the last six years, um, I've got, there's a big uh, lake about 15, 20 minutes from me, which I never utilised. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've said, oh, yeah, I always, you know, always saying to my wife, oh, I wouldn't mind getting a little tinny one day, which I think you guys call a John boat. Yeah. Um, just, just, yeah, tinny, 10 foot, 12 foot tinny. It's, um, it's just not priority. I've got other things to do first, but always looking, you know, always keep my eye out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, I think the thing that gets me is I live literally like as, as the crow flies a mile from the Ohio river. And then oh, yeah. to my North is Vito Lake. And then all around are these nice fishing spots. It's a really good fishing place. Um, but I've, I've just not learned, you know, i like, like people have been listening. I'm just now learning how to do some different types of fishing and I've yeah. uh, been going out with my wife and kids. That's just been kind of fun just going and learning it. And so I feel like the kayak, yeah, just one more thing. I don't want to go crazy with it, but just being able to get actually out on the water i think would be kind of fun so yeah yeah different access you know the, the fishing off the bank's good fun but it's certainly limiting yeah so how's, how's that, the yeah. uh, duck hunting going have you had any luck with that yeah mate we um our duck our duck seasons have been a bit uh messed around the last couple of years with covid and things like that but um and restrictions and and greenies and stuff like that making <laughs> it hard for us but um this greenies. year we had hold on you got it i, I gotta get oh, translation sorry, mate Oh, there's Green. a slang coming out. Um, greenies just like, oh, people who tie themselves to trees because they don't want them to cut down <laughs> trees. Tree, tree huggers. I got it. Okay. <laughs> greenies. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Anyway, <laughs> All right, go greenies, ahead. They, um, they give us a hard time. So they, they go through parliament a bit and they, they get some restrictions put on our bag limits and stuff. And this year, it's only going to be one duck per day for three weeks, I think. Oh, our man. normal limit's 10. Oh, um, wow. We've had an incredible season, rain-wise and breeding, and it just it, it, the science and the numbers didn't add up. And and for the season we were going to get, anyway, we had some of our local hunting clubs and things like that get together, and they put in a bit of a, a fight, and they said, look, we're going to redo the uh, do the testing and and the observations, and they went out and they counted all these ducks, you know, as best they could, and they said, right, we're going to change it to five ducks a day. So I was able to get out for a few days and. Um, over the season for three weeks and, and I, yeah I took a few took a handful of birds I think I ended up with 10 over mm-hmm. two weeks so it was good man I really enjoy my duck breast meat it's really good I've been doing schnitzels so it's been really tasty yeah. <laughs> so I had a few hunts yeah it's good man I enjoy that so but not, not as much as deer hunting 
I'll never replace deer hunting, man. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing. I like, I love, I'm getting this fishing bug. I love it. I love turkey hunting, but I tell you, deer still is top, top, you know, that's the top thing for yeah. me. Getting out there and chasing those, you know, guys around. That's, that's what it's about for me. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah. So, so I guess um, the only two things that have happened for me in the last, well, since the last time I spoke to you on here was, uh, one, I got the new job, and and two, I'm no longer dealless. <laughs> no longer dealless. Yeah. yeah. So that this has been a little a long time coming, right? Mm, yeah, mate. Yes, yeah. so I've been hunting deer for samba deer for uh, well, 18 years. Um, started when I was 12, and um, now you know that sounds pretty bad. Like this bloke can't hunt for nuts, but uh, I just, I just, uh, I think it's a mixture of things. You know, time in the bush, like I said before, time in the bush is always going to help you out but i only sort of go four or five times a year but um yeah for the hunts that i do do i do i do see a few here and there and get onto some good sign and you know most of the time I just get beaten but um i have i have passed up a few um does uh, now i've been corrected lately in australia a samba doe is called a hind h-i-n-d yes hind. yep so i've been <laughs> i've been uh been given a hard time for that so i better change my wording and call them a hind for what a hind yeah okay so from here on out and also if if anybody hasn't listened to episode 16 you go back and hear about daniel's uh first sambar but it's Mm -hmm. s-a-m-b-a-r and this is basically to me daniel whenever i picture this thing i picture like almost like an elk uh our equivalent to an elk but it's a little bit uh, lighter colored um Mm. maybe not quite as big but pretty close i mean they really seem to be just a a a real big big animal you know they are a big animal, mate. Yeah, well, and I've learned since we spoke last, they are this, uh, the next biggest deer down from an elk. So, yeah, okay. you're not far away. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So, eight years kind of go between. Now, you were there. Um, you're, you had a mate that shot one there like last year, year before, right? Yeah, a year and a half ago, mate. I, I took the same fella out um, and, and he was able to get uh, Sam behind um, on his first hunt. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's, that's cool. So he's only been on about three or four hunts since, and then this one was about his fifth hunt, and we we uh, had an eventful trip, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, bring us through, Dana. Tell, tell us a little bit kind of like leading up to this, um, you know, eight-year drought coming to an end. You know, mm. what was it like? Kind of bring us through the story a little bit here. Yeah, mate. Yeah, well, it was one of the most eventful uh, days leading up to a hunt and the hunt itself that I probably – really ever had um it's sort of uh it was almost sort of not meant to happen um but then in the <laughs> end it just came together man and uh romans five comes to mind i've been through like i said before been through a few trials um, in the last 12 months and uh you know we all we all go through trials but uh i've been through some hunting trials man and it's taken me eight years eight years to get it done since the last one i shot and um so the, the way this the way it goes is that uh I've got a July hunt coming up. It's a five-day hunt, and um, I wanted to uh, do a drop box because uh, after the middle of June, they shut the gates. <clears throat> you're not allowed in there with vehicles and things like that just because of weather and slushy roads and stuff. So you're still allowed in there. You just can't take mach- uh, vehicles. So they lock the gates. So the plan is to ride our mountain bikes down the hill into the valley and, and camp and hunt there for three or four days and then walk our bikes out on, on the Saturday. So I hit the boys up on the messenger and I said, right, fellas, I said, I've, I've got to go in for a hunt before June and I drop this box in there. Who wants to come? 
and the boys like, yeah, we'll, we'll see what we can do, you know, about six weeks before this, this hunt happened. And uh, leading up to the hunt, a couple of extra boys wanted to join us. So I said, yeah, right, oh, no worries, you know, probably a few too many numbers to be honest, but, um, you know, I can't say no. <laughs> it's no good to have people around you. So we're getting leading up to the hunt and um, it was about Tuesday, I think it was the 1st of, it was the first of June. We were going to go, no, the last weekend of May we were going to go. And we'd, everyone was packed, ready to go. We're like, sweet boys, we're going. This is, this is going to be awesome. My old man was coming with me as well. And about Tuesday, uh, before we were going to take the Thursday off, uh, we get a couple of COVID cases. And I was like, oh, what's the chances, you know? What's the chances? We should be okay. Like, if they don't, don't skyrocket, we'll be all right. Uh, and our government's been pretty sensitive with all that. So, you know, we get, mm-hmm. get more than five or six and they sort of start to make some decisions. So Wednesday comes around and uh, they hadn't made any decisions. Like, yeah, boys, this is awesome. It's going to happen. Thursday rocks around. I'm, I'm working uh, as a landscaping job there and gets to 10.30 news or 11 o'clock news and they announced that they're going to uh, put the state into a lockdown for seven days and we only had four hours before we were leaving. I was like, mate. Frustration and disappointment is an understatement. So I remember being on the phone with you and like you were calling me, like you you were about ready to pack up and get ready to leave. And then the next day I'm like, how's the trip going? You're like, there wasn't a trip. I'm like, yeah, yeah, like within an hour, like I think it was half an hour um, before the news announced it. I'd said to you, yeah, mate, we're leaving in like four hours. (laughs) Anyway, so that, that was really disappointing. So straight away we're like, right, next weekend, boys. You know, it all depends on what the government says, but if we can do it, who can make it? You know? Now, remind so, me, 2020, were you guys able to get out in 2020 or were you guys uh, completely locked all. down? Bugger all. Yeah. No, we, um, we could only get out. Oh, they opened up for about a week. As soon as they opened up, I took a week off and Dad and I went to the mm-hmm. same spot that I, uh, this trip was at. Uh, other than that, mate, it was just a real stuff around of a year, really, mm-hmm. as everyone knows. Um, so yeah, it was, it was not a great year for hunting. Um, right. yeah. So anyway, Thursday, uh, was it Wednesday night comes around the following week, uh, first week in June. And I said, right, boys, you know, uh, it, the government said, if, if there's no new cases on Wednesday night, we'll, we'll open up for Thursday or whatever it was. So right, it'll be last minute, fellas. You know who can make it. And I think it was only out of the seven, only three of us could possibly go. Mm. So we got to Thursday, eleven o'clock news, and they said, "Yep, no new cases. Restrictions are eased at twelve a.m. Thursday night." So I, like within seconds, I was like, "Right, boys, we're away, we're away. Off we go, let's go." And um, so my mate, Big Dan uh, from my old job, he he said, "Yep, I'll be around about five o'clock." let's pack your gear and then I'll come and pick you up at 11 o'clock. So that, you know, I think it was only an hour before restrictions ease. So he comes around 11 o'clock at night and I'm standing at the front. We get in and go. And uh, it's four and a half hours to, from front door to camp. Mm-hmm. Um, we took off down the freeway. Um, we got down to a place called Seymour by about one o'clock in the morning. Uh, got some chicken nuggets from Macca's and, um, just to keep us going because I knew, you know, there was no, no stopping between there and there and camp. Cause it was uh, Macker, Macker's. Is that a local restaurant or is that McDonald's? 
Oh, McDonald's. Sorry, Mike. Mackers. Oh, we got man, greenies and Mackers. All right, I'm I'm, count, I'm counting how many new things I'm learning in this episode already. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> Don't apologize, man. I love oh, it. No. Oh, I was only joking. Yeah. Um. So anyway, we took off one one o'clock in the morning. We shoot through again, and uh, get through to Mansfield, and it's uh we should be at camp around about three in the morning. We have about three hours sleep and get up and hunt. So, and my mate Adam, <clears throat> he was coming through on the Friday. So Big Dan and I would be up there, camp set up. He'd just meet us up there after a bit of a hunt and we'd catch up on the Friday afternoon. So Dan and I head through. We put a balloon up, a big like a green balloon for a bit of a sign for Adam to know where to turn off to our track. And we then it got really steep and windy and a couple of hairpin bends uh, or switchbacks. And uh, at this time it was about... It would have been 2.30 in the morning, I reckon. So we've been going for three and a half hours. We had about an hour to get back to camp, get down to camp. And we had Big Dan's ute and it was it was absolutely packed to the hilt, mate. It was so, so full <laughs> with all our gear. And uh, we get to this hairpin bend about two-thirds of the way up this mountain and next minute, and we look at the gauge and it was boiling hot. And we got out and the thing was bubbling like a kettle, mate. It was like... And Big Dan's like, oh gee, I don't like this. So we opened her up, had a look at the had a look at the uh, motor, and turns out we we couldn't like it would just be stupid to keep going. And so at three in the morning we decided we we got to turn around, we got to start going back. I was like, are you serious? We've been waiting six weeks for this trip. Now, like yes, I was I was a little disappointed, but I, I thought you can't help that. Like it's mechanical. You you got to do something about it. You, mm. It cost a fortune to get towed out of a place like that. So we limped it back, man. It took us only it only took us an hour to drive there, and it took us three hours to limp out. We had to stop, let the pressure out, let it cool down, up and down, up and down, up and down all these hills. Anyway, we roll back into town at six a.m. in the morning. <clears throat> so we've been going for seven hours. We should have been at camp three and a half hours ago, uh, and we were just we were pretty gutted to be honest. And um, he was really apologetic. Poor bloke was like, "Oh, you know, I'm really sorry." I said, "Mate, you can't help it." Yeah, you know, it's how it goes. So I was like, right, what's going to happen now? We've had COVID shut us down. We've had vehicle problems shut us down. More trials, more trials. You know, is this thing even going to happen? Because I've only got like a week and a half to get this box in there. Like, this is it. So uh, we message all these people and as people start to wake up, they all replied to us, you know, seven in the morning, eight in the morning. And my mate Adam, who was coming up on Friday, <clears throat> He's like, what's going on, boys? You know, like, you should be in the mountains. I said, yeah, I told him what happened. And he was laughing his head off. <laughs> He's like, what's the chances? You, we blew a head gasket in the end, I think it was. And uh, I said, mate, are you still coming or what? And he's like, yeah, mate, I'm just leaving now. It was like 7.30. I was like, yes. You know, the trip's going to happen. Anyway, so Big Dan and I took it around to the mechanics when they opened up and they had a look at it. Anyway, he, he long story short, he had to limp his car home and Adam, Adam and I, put all their gear in his car and off we went in his, in his truck and off we went. So the trip was back on about 11 hours after we'd left home. (laughs) And uh, we got up into camp about, I think we were in the bush by 1.32 o'clock and being winter here at the moment, um, just coming up the middle of winter, we only got, got about nine or 10 hours of daylight. So dark is at 5.30. Okay. We had a bit of a hunt um in the afternoon and, and then 
he got back at dark and I was back probably with an hour to go and got a fire going and things like that. So, so Big Dan wasn't able to rejoin you then? Big Dan didn't make it. And uh, the poor bloke's been trying for ages to get to get away for a Samba hunt and it just hasn't happened for him. You know, like the man gets to the actual mountains this time and he's got to go home. Like, uh, <laughs> that's nice. It's not meant to happen. But anyway, yeah. um, so Adam and I, we, we were able to get away for a hunt together, which was fantastic. And um, just, you know, it turns out, you know, uh, you start to learn how – how each other hunts and and you get to know each other a bit better when it's just one-on-one and yeah you know if you have a few good conversations and things like that or a few different things come up and have a good chat i guess with the with less people around but um yeah so which was which was really good and and we learned that uh you know he and i sort of think the same and and want to hunt the same and that's kind of that's pretty important you know when you when you're out in the mountains doing doing what we do absolutely Uh, yeah, you know, everyone's everyone who fishes or hunts or does any activity, you know, you've got that person that is in the same mindset, same mind frame, all that sort of stuff, same morals. Uh, it, it makes it pretty easy and pretty comfortable, you know. So mm-hmm. that, was, that was really good uh, to get to sit around a fire with Adam and and, uh, and do that. So we said, right, what's our plan for tomorrow? Uh, it was going to be Saturday. And I said, look, I said, I really want to get up to this this place I call One Preach Hill. And uh, if anyone's um, watches my YouTube channel, um, it's not it's not big at all. I, I don't advertise <laughs> it to get big. I just I just like sharing what I do. And, and if people like it, that's an absolute bonus. Um, yeah. Tell so, the name is what? Yeah, the name is The Hunter's Ministry. The Hunter's Ministry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to check that out, you can. And there's a couple of things on there. And, and Adam's Adam's hunt from a year and a half ago is on there as well. It's, it's called Adam's First Stamber or something. So um, anyway, so, yeah, that, that's, that's been a good thing. Um, so he and I were like, righto, what are we going to do Saturday? <clears throat> and so one, one I said, run preach here, let's go up there. So we had a look at the map and said, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. He's like, righto, let's get up 5 o'clock and get in the bush as soon as we can. But we left a little later than we would have liked. Uh, weather was going to be nice. It was absolutely, I think you bought, I think you guys call it a bluebird day. It was really yeah. nice. Yeah. And um, we took off about quarter to six in the morning, um, probably half hour later than we would have liked. But uh, Dad and I have cut a track up one of the ridges. Uh, it used to be a three-hour walk just to get to the peak of the, like the, the tip of the ridge um, coming down to the, the main river there but after we cut a track about three years ago the deer started to use it um and it's just like a highway mate it's it's i think it's a four i think adam and i did it in 45 minutes so it really cuts down the time so you can sort of get up there quickly and um he and i poked along and uh got up to this point and we had a it was actually a big tree had fallen across it so we had to make our way around that and then get back on it again and we we're making making pretty good time i said to adam we got to a spot where I usually camp up there at about oh, probably 20 minutes after sun up. Um, and as we got there, uh, there's two lyrebirds. And I've explained what lyrebirds are before. And they make, um, they mimic a lot of things. They mimic different birds, especially, but they can, um, they can mimic chainsaws and things like that if they're around them long enough. Anyway, so they're in front of us and they were scratching around. They sound just like a deer, just like, um, squirrels sound like deer to you guys 
these things sound like dear to us. So we're did like, God, did God make these things just to mess with us? Is that oh, their purpose? You know, <laughs> he's got to have a humor, doesn't he? He's got to have. A <laughs> Look at some of the people he's made. <laughs> <laughs> like myself, trust me. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. Anyway, I think yeah, he'd definitely have a humor for sure. Um. So we got to this spot, and these live birds uh, flew away and made a heap of noise. I thought, oh, that's great. That's just what we need. More alarm calls. And I was pointing out to Adam, I said, see that ridge up there or the top of that head of the gully? I said, that's where we want to be. So the sun's come up and it was actually, I didn't realise in our winter, the sun isn't directly easterly. It's more of a northeasterly, <clears throat> which means it's not hitting those eastern facing uh, gullies or faces okay. um, as directly. So I said, oh, and there's a beautiful little spot to the left there. Uh, we call the cliffs and I've, I've seen some fantastic deer on there through my trail camera and uh, just a really nice wide samber and, and deer constantly go through there. And, and it's hard for me not to get caught up in those good spots, <clears throat> uh, even though it was like a, a really shaded, frosty spot. And I was like, you still got to stop and have a look. But I thought, nah, man, you got to, you got to get out of that mind frame. Like it's not the right time to be there. You need to get up the top. So I said, let's just shoot through. So we, we pushed up in through the thick stuff and um, and I was standing there and Adam said, oh, I've got to, he had to do something in his pack. So he said, you go up and I'll follow. I'll come up afterwards. So I sort of snuck away, snuck my way along and got sort of, I probably would have got about 40 metres up in front of him and I could hear, I swear I could hear something making noise in front of me, only like probably 25 yards in front of me. And then because I've, I've got a, I've got some ringing in my ears. I sort of sometimes I struggle to work out where the sound's coming from. And I thought, oh, maybe it's Adam coming up behind me making some stick noise, crashing, you know, crashing sticks. I thought, no, no, I reckon that's in front of me. Anyway, it was. It was up in front of me. And as Adam came up, I snuck forward. It was another lyre bird. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like, Come on, man. <laughs> anyway, we got, an, we, we got there together and we kept going up. We're probably two-thirds way up this ridge now, maybe maybe further. We're almost at the top. And um, <clears throat> then we genuinely heard something that was definitely a deer. We uh, we had the wind in our faces. It was perfect. It was a northerly, northerly breeze. And we heard, we definitely heard like steps and crunching of sticks and, you know, bushes rattling as it sort of, nervously poked its way away from us, walked away from us. That was a deer. That was definitely a deer. He's like, I agree. That was definitely a deer. I said, we've got, we're on good time, mate. We're on good time. So it, we didn't, we didn't follow it up. We, we continued up to where we wanted to be. So we got to the top and there's a beautiful saddle. Um, you guys know what saddles are. In, oh yeah. 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 Beautiful saddle. And I sat there and Adam walked around and sat on the other side. And we just glassed for we wanted to glass for an hour because I don't do a lot of stopping and waiting. <clears throat> I um, I sort of walk a lot and um, I'm, I need to be more patient in the bush. So I'm trying to adjust my hunting style. So I said, right, we're going to sit here for an hour, dude. We're going to sit here for an hour. And deer like to cross those saddles into different gullies and systems. So I thought it's, it's worth a try. It was only 9 o'clock uh, when we got to the top there. And the sun was hitting beautifully. I thought, this is good. So we sat there and it got to 45 minutes and I just, I started to get itchy. I was like, we've got to get to the spot we want to get to. It was only 300 metres across the saddle, up a bit of a steep spot, and then you glass down into this open gully. And I went, went across to see Adam and 
he said, oh, I said, what do you reckon? He's like, oh, let's just wait a little bit longer. And so I said, right, I'll sneak back around. I said, at 10 o'clock, I said, oh, we're gonna, I'm going to sneak across. And I said, you come across with me. He's like, right, let's do that. And I just had this, this, this sort of eager urge to get up to where we, we wanted to be. And yeah. um, that sun was going to be hitting that nicely. And it was, it was pockets of openness and scrub and things like that. And deer, the sandbird, they love, they love security. Um, yeah. That's why the hardest deer to hunt in Australia and almost probably one of the top, top three or four in the world, I reckon, man. Yeah, this, uh, this country, I look at your video that you posted, it really reminds me of like parts of Colorado. It seems very, yeah. first off, looks very rocky. A lot of, you know, sagebrush and stuff, you know, it's kind of hard to yeah. see through, but definitely you're, you're in the hills. There's no doubt about that you're up in you know, like mountainous kind of territory as well. So it's, yeah, it, that's sure. what kind of put me, it looked like you were in Colorado whenever I watched your video. Oh, fair yeah. yeah, right. I, well, um, it was, that's, that's why I like that spot. It's, it's sort of patchy and open like that, but um, <clears throat> there's, there's actually a lot of thick stuff below it. So it's like our mountains aren't, like that all over the place it's actually quite dense bush there's, there's not a lot of that stuff around uh where i hunt so that's why i like that a lot um and it's kind of a communal spot this one preach hill there's a there's a preaching tree at the top which is the same as a scrape and uh this is why i named it that and there's a lot of wallows and things like that a lot of game trail so it's a real communal area it's sort of like all these gullies and, and ridges lead up to it Mm-hmm. so you know that's why we get so many deer on these cameras is because they're coming from all different areas the problem with that is is that they're not consistent there's different deer all the time mm-hmm. um so anyway we we snuck across and we climbed up this steep little spot to where we wanted to glass into this north facing gully and uh we sat there for probably we sat about 40 meters apart we were probably there for oh, i reckon we were there for an hour maybe an hour and a half probably yeah, it'd be an hour and a half. And then we're looking around, looking around, and Adam thought he saw a couple of deer across about 700 metres away. And um, I've got these Swarovski, uh, Swarovski, Swarovski binos, yeah. um, which are fantastic. I never, ever thought I'd have a pair, but Dad blessed me with them. Mm. Um, and he's got, he's got like a, a bit of a cheaper pair. And they work, but I tell you what, when you want to get serious about it and you want to look at something – that far away the, the clarity of these binos is incredible and i was able to pick out the fact that no they're actually just a, a shrub and a, a log that looked just like a deer but for his binos he couldn't tell properly so uh that was a bit of fun you know he called me across and i went across and had a look and um time was getting about 11 30 12 o'clock ish uh and i said look i said see that see that um sort of a Oh, I look like a mossy, rocky area about 20 metres in diameter. I said, see that spot down there? I said, we found a, a cast antler or a shed there last year. And I said it was about six and a half inches long, which is a nice a nice length. And uh, I said, I want to go down there. Um, my, the plan was to set up a trail camera on, on this game trail that runs through. And on the video on my YouTube there, I, I explained that. And you can see it uh, where I'm sitting from. You can see that game trail. I said, I'm going to go down there. And he said, yeah, well, I want to go back up over the top as now that the sun's sort of got up a bit and I want to look back down on the opposite gully of where we were just before. I said, yeah, go for it. So I ducked across and, and snuck down and snuck down and glassed and looked and stopped and looked, stopped and looked. And I got down to this nice little spot 
probably only about 100 metres from where that antler was. And I, and I changed my direction. I sort of cut back down to my nine o'clock, give or take. I went, yeah, cut back down to my left. And I found these beautiful little trees to sit behind. And I sat there for, uh, again, I'm trying to change my, my hunting style a bit. So I said, right, I'm going to sit here for half an hour. Mm-hmm. I did a bit of an, a little, a little bit of an interview on my phone, and, and I explained where, what I was doing and and what I was looking at, which is that game trail. And um, I sat there for half an hour. I said, one o'clock, I'm gonna move. So I think it was one o'clock. I, I got up and uh, I, I continued down a bit, and there was uh, probably about halfway down this this gully now, and it's not steep. It's really wide. It's like a bit of a spoon in a sense, and. Um, I snuck down, I snuck down, and I've got this, um, I've got a fox whistle on me, and it's it's only really to, to stop a deer or, pardon me, to make one get inquisitive if it's sort of, if you spook one and runs off, you might blow it and it stops them and they look back sort of thing. So I always carried a bit of a deer-stopping noisemaker, and um, I got down to this spot, and I was on a little bit of a bench, and there was this this cliff that went up behind me, and and but we couldn't see it from where we were. When we were glassing across the top, you couldn't see it. It was all sort of covered. So I'm standing on this bit of a, uh, a bit of a bench and I'm looking over these thick, this thick scrub and it probably, I don't know, seven or eight metre drop into the thickness. And I thought, you know what, if there's, a, if there's a stag bedded in there in the sun or, you know, getting warm in the, in the thick bush, um, I'll get it to stand up. So I'm standing there. I'm only about probably would have only been a hundred odd meters from where I want to put the trail camera up and I'm looking downhill about 11 o'clock and I went (whistles) and I sort of looked around a bit and then I took about 10 steps to my left and I looked up mate my heart nearly stopped man I looked up and there's this this sand behind standing there at 70 meters and um underneath this this tree she'd come out of this uh, thick cover where she would have been bedded up at 1.15 in the afternoon and she's standing there with all her weight on her front feet staring at me, man. She was watching me for like, I don't know, well, since I blew that last call, she was watching me. And I thought, far out, there's a deer. <laughs> and, I, and all this stuff that I've been learning over my past hunts, whether you call them failures or not, I don't think any hunt's a failure. You learn from every hunt. And and everything you read and watch, I, it just rushed to my mind. I thought, right, drop down. Because of, of um, in the past, I've just stood there and they and our, and our deer, our samba, I think any animal, but especially our samba, they, that upright figure of a person is not normal. So if you drop down, their inquisitiveness takes over and, yeah. and they will be, like it sounds dumb, but it's not, like they're just inquisitive animals. So if you make yourself look like, a, like a, another bush animal um, that's low to the ground, they'll sort of hang out for a bit and go, what's going on over there? So like within seconds, I dropped down, closed the bolt, and I and I think I must have – I didn't even think about it. I just, it was all just habit, I guess, but um, I call it the proposal shot. <laughs> I was down on one knee, and uh, <laughs> I was – now, something I've struggled with in the past is is holding steady because if everyone who's fired a rifle – done any shooting you know that if you try and hold steady you get a bit wobbly after five six seconds or so mm-hmm. so 
someone told me years ago, I can't remember who it was, they said, draw a line. And again, all this stuff came rushing back to me. Within two or three seconds, all these things came to my mind. So I dropped down, closed the bulb, put the scope up, and I went right to left. And I drew a line from right and soon to left, and as soon as I hit the centre of a chest, it went whack. I pulled that trigger, mate. Far out, it felt good to pull that trigger, Trav. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, and listen to that sound just echo through the through the gully there and away from the mountain. And uh, I, it, hit, it must have hit her. It, she didn't react a lot. She, um, she turned and went straight downhill, which I thought, right, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. She ran downhill. And <clears throat> I thought I saw her ears go back a bit, but I'm not sure. So I thought 50-50, I was like, right. I was, and that's when I started to shake, Trav. I was like quite composed <laughs> in the moment. <laughs> but I started to shake, man, and my right hand was shaking like crazy. And uh, I was like, far out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think I've just done it. I think I've just shot a deer. And, um, <clears throat> and I watched her, and she took two, two big bounding leaps down into this six-foot um, shrubbery. And I ran backwards and with another bullet in the chamber, and I was waiting – watching for her to come out the bottom of this, this clearing. And if anyone watches the video, you'll, you'll see what I mean by the clearing. And she didn't come out. I heard no noise. Um, I'm waiting and waiting. I was like, far out. That's, again, 50-50. She's either, she's either down because there's no noise and no sight of it, or it's that thick and that high a scrub that she's got away and up over the ridge that she was bedded below. Mm. And now, and I started to get get shaky, and I and I had some phone service, so I rang Adam. I said, "Hey, hey, Popple," I said, "Mate, I've just shot a deer." He's like, "Are you serious?" He said, "Oh, because he turns out he went back from where he was um, glassing. He came back to sit above it again, above the gully I was in. So he didn't know I was down in there. Really, he knew I was going around, but he didn't know I was in there. And he said that shot sounded like it was miles away. I said, "No, mate," I said, "I've just barreled one." I said, "You got to come down here." He's like, mate, stay there. I'm on my way. I'm on my way. And uh, so he makes his way down, and I'm just like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And made a bit of a phone interview and like on my video. And um, yeah, just, oh, I was just so excited, Trav. Like that feeling, mate, was just something else. And, yeah. and I guess, you know, the uncertainty, like, um, uh, I mean, well, that story from last week was fantastic. I love that one about that, those two boys, and they, they um, had those deer running around all over the joint. Yeah, and their uncertainty. Even though he hit her, hit that deer three times. Yeah, um, he still had that uncertainty, even though he knew he hit her. So anyway, I was had that stuff in my mind. I wasn't too, I wasn't too, uh, you know, going crazy about it. But I thought, no, I reckon I've hit her. I reckon I've hit her. Anyway, front on chest shots. It hit her square. Well, no, it wasn't square. It was probably more like two o'clock on a on a brisket there. And um, in the end, and I thought, oh man. Front on chest shot. There's not going to be a lot of blood, Trav. And uh, Adam come down. We went across, and I didn't realise, mate. I was standing on her fresh tracks where I shot, where I shot from. So if I hadn't blown the whistle, I could have, I probably would have eventually looked down and seen those fresh tracks, and I may have just stalked across to where she was bedded and maybe put her up. I don't know, yeah. but that's not how it worked out in the end. Um, so we got across there, and I said, mate, like. I said, I don't, there's not going to be blood, man. He's like, well, hang on a minute. If she's, if you've hit her in the lungs, dude, like she's going to be breathing hard and it's going to, it's going to come out. I was like, oh well, yeah, fair point. So we're standing over there. I took a bit of video of where she was standing, a fresh prints. But other than that, there was no prints. Couldn't see. It was that thick. I couldn't see any prints anywhere. 
she ran straight downhill. Adam and I split up a bit within a 50-meter radius, and I was looking through the thick stuff, and he sort of went down below a bit more and did a bit of an S-shape around looking for stuff, sign and things. No blood anywhere, mate. Couldn't see a single bit of blood. I was like, oh, man, what's the bet? Now, the other thing, the other thing was uh, I sighted him a rifle with 150-grain Winchester um, yeah, Winchester ammo for my 270. Now, my dad, he gave me he gave me uh, some other rounds as well, which are Cellier and Bellet, and I had those in my rifle. Now, climbing that mountain that morning, I thought it crossed my mind. I had them in my in the chamber. I thought, oh, what's the bet I see a deer today? That'd be right, wouldn't it? I've got ammo that I haven't sighted in with, and I'll probably see a deer. I'll take a shot and I'll miss because I'm shooting three inches to the right because it's bad ammo or something. So then that crossed my mind while we're looking for it. I was like, oh, don't tell me. What's the, what's the bet, man? What's the bet? <laughs> anyway, about, oh, mate, wouldn't have even been 10 minutes. And and Adam goes, hey, Mumsy, which is the nickname the boys give me. Oi, Mumsy. And as soon as I said that, all that all that um, uncertainty just went away. I was like, you found it. You found it. He's like, mate, I found it. So I was like, you little champion. I said, you want, I went down there, man. <laughs> <laughs> dude i'm so excited it still makes me smile so much eh? um so we went down there he's like mate i found her and now i'm going down there and you can see in the video i'm filming myself going down there and all the grass trav was just flattened um it opened turns out it opened up again and she she was dead within probably 30 meters and she slid the last 30 she only went 60 meters all up so anyway, it turned out to be a fantastic shot in the end. It hit her beautifully, um, broke one of her shoulders, and I think it even took out the heart or part of it because there was just bruising all around that area. And um, got down there. He's like, mate, we found her, we found her. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you'll, you know, if anyone watches the video again, you, you'll see the reaction. But, um, yeah. mate, it's just It's a, a good reaction. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the reaction of somebody who has waited eight years, had the government keep them from going the week before, yeah. broken down on the way there, and now it's it's came together on the, the second day together. of the hunt. Yeah, yeah, that's, man, that's awesome. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, exactly right. And and all of that, all of that sort of emotion come up. I wasn't emotional, but I was ecstatic in that sense. And um, yeah, Adam's like, well, mate, it's going to be another ten years before you get another one. So you better do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good so, friend there isn't it? <laughs> yeah of course yeah, only a good friend would say that hey eh? yeah so anyway how um, was the pack out mate was i sore dude i was so <laughs> sore <laughs> we um i didn't realize how steep that little gully was um <clears throat> we we caped her out in the end because my old man my old man rang me within probably two minutes of me standing over her and looking at her and he says dad's a bit of a joker he says oh there's a stag to your right and I was like, I said, yeah. I said, well, I don't want two. And he goes, what do you mean you don't want two? And uh, <laughs> he could have clicked that I'd got one, and uh, <clears throat> he was pretty happy for me. So, yeah, um, yeah it was it was awesome, dude. And and uh, we, no, we, we sorry, go on. I got a question. The you're using your two seventy. Is this were you using the lost bolt? I was using the lost bolt, mate. Oh my goodness, the story How just got even deeper. The lost bolt. If you don't know what the lost bolt is, guys, you've got to go back and hear the story of the missing lost bolt, episode sixteen. That's where Daniel and I first get into an amazing story. That's that. Yeah, that that's really cool, man. 
Uh, yeah, thanks for reminding me of that because it took me, I didn't remember, I forgot about that until a couple of hours later. <clears throat> yeah. I said, hey, Adam, I said, mate, this is the first year I've shot my rifle. I said, you know, I lost the bolt and everything. I said, and now, seven years after I bought it, I finally shot one with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, it's just, it adds to the story, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's awesome. just, uh, it's just something special, dude. So, and yeah, so dad was on the phone. He's like, oh, what do you reckon? He said, do you want to cape it out? I said, oh, probably, I, I wasn't going to, but oh man, he's, he's, he likes a challenge and he wants to do a bit of taxidermy and he's made a bit of a format for a, for a hind. So yeah, right, I'll cape it out, you know, I'm caped out the front legs and stuff. I hadn't done it for years. I didn't know what I was doing properly. And again, sun going down about 5.30, we only had, even though I shot her at quarter past one, by the time we did video calls and mm-hmm. spoke to the wife and, and all of that, took photos and had a great time, um, you know, and my lack of experience, I, it took me probably two hours to get her ready to get, you know, carry out. Yeah. So we took the front legs, man, and the back straps and, um, I set up a trail camera in the end too. I set that up before I started butchering around. And I caped her out and we put it in, put as much meat as we could in the pack and um, and we ended up carrying, putting her hide and, and the head in, the, in a um, pillowcase. And I, and I got a big stick and I sort of tied it up onto the stick and tried to put it over my shoulder, you know, um, mm-hmm. and tried to carry it out like that. But this gully was like a 70-degree slope, and I just – I walked about 20 metres, mate, or 20 steps even, and I was I was panting, and we had two kilometres to go, which is like – what's that? Uh, one and a half miles or something? Yeah. I can't remember what the trans, uh, translation is. But, um, yeah, so we – and I thought, far out. So we got to the top, and I was I was getting pretty buggered by that time, and it was only about 200 metres. And um, – so we, we climbed down a bit and I actually fell over um, pretty badly. I could have it could have turned out bad. The stick I was using to carry carry um, carry that deer out nearly went through me to be honest, and thankfully mm-hmm. it didn't. This is a shocking idea. I don't know why we're doing this. So we got up to this peak and I said, "Look, Adam, I'm going to have to repack my bag." He said, "Right, how about I'll take your gun?" Well, I think he already had it. I'll take the guns and my pack and whatever he was carrying, a bit of meat as well. He said, I'll shoot down to the river um, because we cut a track. It was a bit easy to see. And I said, yeah, right, I do that. And then I said, come back up, <clears throat> sorry, come back up and we'll, you know, we'll share the load. We only had about an hour of daylight. And I know that it takes about an hour to get down there without a massive load on. So I knew it was going to be pushing it for dark. So he takes off. I'm sitting there repacking my pack and, um, I, I did the smart thing. I took my day pack out, carried that in my hand, and I shoved her, all of her, in this backpack. And, mate, it was fantastic. It's how it's supposed to be doing. Um, <laughs> I put it on my back. I was like, man, I feel good. So I took off. And it had to be – I reckon it would have weighed 30 kilos or so, and I never carried that in my back before. So I took off across this saddle that we originally – you know, we were glassing at 9 o'clock in the morning, and um, I was starting to cramp up above the knees there and in my legs. And um, to the point where I was only taking steps about the size of a laptop, I couldn't, I just could not walk. And I'd only gone 400 metres. And uh, anyway, man, I was like, this, is, this isn't great because I've got a steep descent. Um, I've got, and then I've got about a 500 metre walk along the flats back to the, back to the car. And I said, I actually prayed, mate. I actually prayed and I said, God, 
I said, you know all things, you know where I am, you know what's going on, and I'm very grateful. You know, I thanked him for the deer and everything. I said, Lord, can you please take these cramps for me? I've, I've got to get down this mountain. We haven't got a lot of time. And, uh, you know, I, I haven't seen heaps of healing in my life, man, but I tell you what, Trav, and this is fair dinkum, I'll testify to it, within 20 or, 20 or 50 metres, say 50 metres, the cramps got less and less and less, and they were one of the most severe cramps I've ever had in my life. I thought I was just going to have to lay there and cop it until I was good to go again. Um, and this cramp just disappeared, mate, and I took off down this hill quick enough to the point where I caught Adam, who was 15 minutes in front of me. <laughs> it was crazy, man. Anyway, so that was, that was something personal for me to add it to the trip. But um, I caught up with him, and I had a two-way radio. I said, hey, I said, Adam, where are you, mate? He said, yeah, mate, I've just got to the peak. I'm about to go down that track you boys cut. I said, yeah, well, I said, I'm not that far behind you. I think I'm, I'm coming past the campsite up on the ridge. He's like, are you serious? I said, yeah, mate, I had some cramps and I've, I've overcome and I'm coming down. He said, I'll wait for you. So three or four minutes later, I caught up to him and um, down we went. And uh, it was dark by then, man. And it was, you know, we just took our time. We weren't in a hurry, mate. You know, we were enjoying it. As hard as it was, we were enjoying it because um, you got to take, you got to take stuff in in life. you got to enjoy every moment because things disappear and, and now it's a memory. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's one of my life lessons, whoever's listening, is just enjoy every moment you, you have, you know, um, yeah. with the kids and things like that. So, yeah, so we, we were poking our way down and we come across that tree that fallen across the, our track. And I knew it was going to be an issue, especially in the dark, and so we, we tried to go around. And anyway... I never, I don't take risks in the bush, Trav, because it's just not worth it. I don't, I don't try and push trees around and jump over logs and rocks and stuff. You just got to go easy. Anyway, <clears throat> had this big weight on my pack. I had one foot up on this, on this log that had fallen across, and there was a big branch, like Y shape, in front of me, and I was rocking it. I, was like, oh, I reckon I can move that. So, silly me, who was tired and fatigued and excited all at once, I had one foot on the ground underneath this fallen log that was covered in moss and wet and slippery one my left foot was up on top of it and I had my hands on this big branch and I'm rocking it next minute my left foot slips and my what the weight throws me backwards and my right foot stays where it is and my whole body twists around and I only just get the pressure off my leg before it tears a ligament or something and um I thought oh I said Adam that was close mate I said I've, I reckon I've done some damage there he said, oh, you're right, man. I said, yeah. Anyway, I sat there for a couple of minutes and I got up and we kept going. Praise the Lord, we got to keep going because that wouldn't have been fantastic to, <laughs> to just you need <laughs> that badly in there. Anyway, so we got down, man. And honestly, mate, I, um, we got down to the bottom there and I was, I was physically grunting. I was that physically exhausted. I was like pushing, pushing and pushing through these cramps. I couldn't, had the cramps had picked back up um, by the time we got down to the bottom, but the Lord let me down there first <laughs> yeah um yeah man and and we got to the bottom dude and we just we both just pretty much collapsed at the at the, <laughs> at the river flats dude and we sat there for 10 minutes and we were like dude what a hunt what a hunt yeah such um, a i mean yeah. people people always talk about like shooting elk or whatever and i think if you've if you've never done that if you've never been involved in a pack out you don't know how much those things weigh and then you think no. about the terrain that you're in it, it's just <laughs> like it is incredible. Like the hardest part of the hunt is not actually killing the animal. It's getting that animal out of there. If you've shot it in a spot where you can't get close with a vehicle of any kind. And that's, that's right. 
Oh, it's when that's over, you are so grateful that it's over. I, I can, yeah, uh, I haven't shot one, but I did help pack one out in Colorado. And I just going up and over that hill with whatever it was 60, 70, 80 pounds on your back. Mm. Mm. That that makes you question why you're doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, man, hundred percent. And and it yeah. fully it fully makes you uh, appreciate or think about you know the deer that you're going to take. If you're an ethical hunter, yeah, um, you're going to be stopping and going right. And if I shoot this deer here, you know what's the carryout like? And to be honest, that's partly why I've let a couple of hinds go over the years because one, I was chasing antler. I, that was definitely what I why I let them go. But the other part was that. You know, I I hadn't been up this one preach hill many times, and I, we didn't have the track at the time. And I could have shot one there easily at, at 30 meters. And I and I thought that I was like, you know what? No, I've got all this gear. I've got to carry out. If I shoot her here, it's going to be an insane carry out. Anyway, thankfully uh, a bit of wisdom came to me, and I didn't shoot her. But we all learn from different experiences and stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. ethical hunting. You just you know, it's it's. Uh, Fair chase. You put it down to fair chase and, and, you know, you respect the animal and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's only a good thing. So, Well, let me ask we, you this, Daniel, um, yeah, yeah. question for you. You <clears throat> earlier said that this was, you called it the Romans 5 hunt. So I'm guessing this is coming from Romans 5, 3 through 5, but can you unpack that a little bit? Like what, why is this called the Romans 5 hunt to you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I refer to it, to, that, uh, to it as that because, that's one of my favourite verses and, um, you know, it talks about how uh, perseverance produces character and character hope and so on and so on and you have to have a read of it to, to see what it talks about. But perseverance, man, it produces character and and whether that's your trials in your life, uh, whether you've had a hard day at work, you persevere through that, um, <clears throat> you know, you, pers- you persevere through a marriage, you persevere through friendships, all that sort of stuff. Um whether it's health, whatever. And and for me, um, I've persevered in hunting for 18 years. Trav, I've shot three deer in 18 years. Now, mm. that is not a lot, but I, I've persevered, I've continued, I've persisted. And that's where I see God's word, you know, come to be truth because as I, as I read the word, whenever I get a chance to do it, whenever I do do that, um, and I read what he says, you know, you go through life and you start to see that it, it's true. You know, he's wise. He's, it's, I love the Psalms. I love the, the Proverbs. It's, it's, it's wisdom. And um, I like to learn from those things. Now, you persevere through any trial, you learn a lot. And when the next one comes up, it's not as hard. because yeah. it, Not just because you've done that before, but because, because um, you've, it's, 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 Produce character, as it says. Perseverance mm-hmm. produces character, and that character helps me to think about things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, it changes your mindset. God talks about the renewing of your mind, and I've seen that in my own life. And um, even with, um, you know, I'll, you know, you deal with people at different jobs, and you don't always get on. But I've learned to put God's word into action, and I'll tell you what, mate, I've seen that come come to fruition as well. And and it just, yeah. I, it's just so important. Um, and yeah. I've persevered for, for eight, like I said, eight years is the last time I shot a deer. I've enjoyed every trip. I've thanked God for it. I've just, just enjoyed it, took it on board and perseverance pays off. You know, yeah. uh, it happened Absolutely. for me. I was mate, 10 minutes before I shot her. I'm thinking 
not, I wasn't not in a, not in a in a down way at all. But I thought, oh, you know, it's been another good weekend, another good hunt that hasn't been you know successful with the deer. And minutes later, it was all on. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? One of the best hunts of my life. So, and I think you know that happens in life as well. But um, yeah, perseverance mm-hmm. produces character, and um, yeah, that brings hope and things like that, which I've personally learned and I'll continue to learn. Yeah, that's I, so good, I man. That I, I, no, that, that's perfect. I, I think the first part of that verse talks about like, um, you know, that they, Paul says, I glory in my sufferings. So we, they take glory in their sufferings because the suffering mm-hmm. leads to perseverance. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that, like everybody's going through sufferings. And a lot of times the question is why, but if you're a Christian, it's kind of like, that's, <laughs> there's no other way to make good character. Like it's, yeah. if everything's going great and everything's wonderful, you know, um, it's kind of like, I just relate it to kind of like working out, you know, if you're just comfortable, yeah. you're eating whatever you want and everything's good, you know, your body's not being stretched a whole lot. You're not really gaining muscle, but whenever you're, you're yeah. you put your body through something that's rigorous and challenging, that's whenever muscle is, is formed, you know? And I think that that's, um, we hate sufferings. We don't like going through them, but we know mm. that it's worth it because it's going to produce that perseverance that helps you in other things, you know? Spot on, mate. Yeah, good, good analogy, man. Yeah, spot yeah. on that. Mm. Yeah. Man, nice. I am so glad that that worked out for you. That I was, I tell you what, I told Kate, it is weird for me in June to like get a call <laughs> from a buddy or see like a buddy post on Facebook and get as jacked as what I do like come November yes. 5th here. And you know, you're like, if, if, if a buddy calls me, in November, like early November, I get yep. excited. Like, or if they make like a post or something like that, I'm like, oh boy. And that's what you oh, made a post. Coming. You made some post about, um, so I forget exactly what you said, but it was like, yeah, I said, I said, hey, um, I said, yeah, I said hunting post coming. <laughs> hunting post coming. And I was like, okay, there's, and I knew you were out and I knew that your last I'd heard your truck was broken down. And then yeah, I was like, oh man, uh, I, I just, I was jacked, dude. <laughs> I was so Thanks, pumped. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was actually, I was, it was like 11 o'clock. I was like in bed or whatever. And I was looking at these posts. My wife's like, why are you getting all excited? I was like, I think Daniel just shot one. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's cool. Oh, dude. Thanks dude. That's awesome. Mate. And, and look, I, I love the fact that that, you know, good friends like yourself and, and people who appreciate the hunt and things like that. Um, I'm glad that it gets people excited, you know, and that's, again, that's why I've, I've ended up making a video out of it because um, people like to, uh, see that stuff you know that's why they do it so you've got that similar interest and and you know yeah we get fired up about it so i appreciate you getting excited about it for me mate oh it, it's it's a natural reaction it's just exciting so yeah. i will drop a link to that everybody if you want to see the video if you haven't already seen that check out the link below uh to daniel's video check out the hunter's ministry make sure you hit subscribe there's uh, some other videos there and uh, Daniel, uh, really enjoyed the conversation, really enjoyed hearing the whole story, uh, start to finish, and uh, great job, man. Thanks. No, thanks, man. Appreciate your time. Bless you, mate. All right. You too. We'll talk to you later. See you, brother. Bye. Bye. What an incredible hunting story. What a ripper hunting story. Uh, <laughs> another adjective that Daniel told me I could use in the intro, but uh, just incredible. Uh, really neat how the perseverance paid off and uh, led to meat in the freezer and um, you know, a big samber down. So I encourage you guys to go check out the Hunter's Ministry over on YouTube. Uh, definitely hit subscribe, like the video, leave a comment for Daniel. Uh, he does good work on that. And um, 
just grateful. I'm very grateful that God has uh, brought different people into my life that through this podcast, and, and Daniel's not the only one. There's other people that I still keep in contact with. Uh, maybe it's just here and there, or maybe it's weekly, uh, but there's people that I just have uh, developed friendships with, and Daniel is one of them. And he's one of those guys that every week uh, we call each other, just see how life's going. We talk uh, life, we talk hunting, and we talk faith a lot. Um, Daniel is one of those guys that kind of holds me accountable and checks in on me, and, and um, we have a good good friendship, and I'm grateful uh, that God has allowed that, that door to open. If you would like to come on the show, I would absolutely love to hear your stories. Sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Send me an email, or you can send me a message on Shedding Light Outdoors Facebook, Instagram page. Uh, be sure to check out our YouTube. We don't have a ton of stuff coming out right now, a few things uh, on Horizon. Um, but that's basically it. Guys, I want to thank you for listening for another week, and hope to see you next week. And until then, I want to encourage you to shed the light.